Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide, the Athletics' dedicated Columbus Blue Jackets podcast. This is Aaron Portsign with The Athletic, joined by Allison Lucan from The Athletic, Tom Reed from The Athletic, and our special guest for this episode, the final day of the NHL Prospects Tournament here in Traverse City, is The Athletics' Corey Promen. Corey, thanks for joining us here today. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me. Uh, I don't know how you keep all these guys straight. I have trouble keeping the Blue Jackets guys straight. You you somehow managed to keep the entire world of of uh, future NHL hockey players straight. Um, but I want to get to what you've seen from these Columbus prospects. An unusual roster put together coming to Traverse in terms of so many free agent invites, especially on the back end. Only one first-round draft pick. That tends to be unusual. Uh, but here they are in the championship game. And I wonder if you could share with people as you've watched the, this team play, uh, who has stood out for you, maybe a surprise, maybe a guy that opened your eyes, and maybe a guy, if anyone fits this description, uh, that has been a touch underwhelming. Yeah, I'm not sure I would say anyone's been underwhelming just because uh, they entered with so many uh, free agents that for, I would say, 80% of the roster, the expectations weren't really that high. Um, so you had a couple of real prospects there and guys who were working to kind of get an impression. Or you have guys like, I say, a Sam Vigneault, who's, you know, a nice minor league guy. Maybe he gets, maybe he works his way into the lineup in the lower ends, somewhere down the line. But in terms of the guys that uh, I was interested in in the Travers tournament, anyways, um, the first one that came to mind was Jonathan Davidson. Uh, I believe uh, the G- GM of the Blue Jackets 
uh, sometime, I forgot whether it was in the middle of the season, towards the end of the season, he, he mentioned that Davidson was going to have a chance uh, to make the roster. Yep. And I had talked to some scouts in Sweden, and I, I asked them, like, do you think that's a legitimate chance? And they said they liked the kid, and they, and uh, but they didn't know he was going to be NHL ready right away. And I have watched Davidson for quite a few years, and, and I, I liked him. I think he's talented, but I also was wondering if he was – just quite ready. I, I hadn't seen with the Swedish national team yet. That's usually a good barometer I use to tell if the guy's ready to make the leap. Um, and I, so I was skeptical. But I, and you know he's a older player, he's a 97, so you have to age adjust in these tournaments because there's a bunch of 17, 18 year olds versus 21, 22 year olds. So you have to balance that. But I was really impressed by Davidson. I thought he had a lot of skill in his game, a lot of pace in his game. I thought he was ma- he was making things happen. Um, I don't know if he's going to make the leap this season. But I'm very intrigued as to what he does in camp, and I think he has he has a shot. Um, the other guy, I, I, we can talk about Foodie, I'm sure we will, but we can talk about guys who make a like, strong impression. Yeah. I had kind of gone down on Kevin Stenland, uh, their second round pick in 2015. I'm not ready to say he's a top prospect yet by any means, but I saw you know he's a six foot four. He had some nice, he showed some nice touch. He made some nice plays. I think he's got to get some more speed in his game, but I think you know. Stenlin is at least a little bit intri- more intriguing to me than he was a week ago. Yeah, and that's with age adjusting, right? Because this is an older kid. Yeah, he's a 96. And like I said, well, you know, I, I don't think he's making the team out of camp. He, uh, I, did, did, he, did they sign him? So is he going to Cleveland right now? Uh, he will go to Cleveland. Yeah, he's going to make his pro debut this year if he doesn't he, make the Columbus. Right. Uh, and, yeah, I, I imagine, you know, so I'll be following him there. He'll be intriguing. Uh, Trey Fix-Wolanski was a little bit interesting, too. Uh, he, I believe he was drafted uh, in his second draft-eligible season. Um, he's five foot seven, And, you know, when, when the guy is that small, they have to be super dynamic. And that's kind of the question for me right now, why I think he went to the seventh round in his second draft-eligible season. Is I'm not sure I'd say he's incredibly dynamic, but he's got skill, he's got speed, he makes plays, he's all the high-end flash from him. You know, he's intriguing. We'll see how he does in WHL this year, whether he gets invited to the Super Series, not Super Series, the Canada-Russia Series, he's called the Super Series, uh, for the best U20 players in the league. And uh, I'll at least be monitoring him. He, he had the odd flash for me that I thought was intriguing. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you, you touched on him just a little bit, Liam Foodie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a, a dope can see that this kid can fly. He's a hell of a skater. Yes. There's always been there's been the question. Even the Blue Jackets have, have sort of asked it uh, subtly. Can his will his hands and his offensive skill ever sort of catch up with his feet? Is the question. If it does, you've got a dynamic player. What have you seen? You've seen him play a ton, I'm sure. Yeah. Any new wrinkle in his game that's come to the surface here? Well, Foodie, I think, has gotten steadily better over the last uh, you know, 12, 16 months. Uh, he didn't play much in the first half of the season with London. And after they decided they were going to be a seller, his ice time went up. I think you saw a little bit more confidence in his game in terms of making plays. Uh, and then he went to the U18 World. I didn't think he was all that great there. He was kind of a third, fourth liner for Canada at that tournament. He goes to the World Junior Summer Showcase. I think he showed a little more confidence there, made some more plays. I liked at times here at this tournament, you know, and, that, and like you said, the question is, you know, is the skill level of the playmaking ability because the skating is elite. You know, he, yeah. he can skate circles around junior age players and I've seen him do it uh, with frequency and, you know, talking to scouts, you know, I think the one thing that everyone will say offensively is he has good hockey sense. And I believe that I think he has above average hockey sense. And, you know, he see the odd flash of vision from him where he's like, Oh, that's a really nice, play showing good instincts there it's a matter of you know 
you know, is he going to be a guy who runs your power play from the half wall? I don't think so. I don't think that's his role. Um, you know, but a guy who can play up and if he can make, you know, the odd skill play to gain the zone and control to, to make a, make a nice play in a small area, you know, I, if he does that, I think he can get to a second line. Right now, I kind of project Matt, project Matt as a kind of a good three at the moment, but it's close enough to where he's a heavily debated player among scouts I talk to about whether he's a, a two or a three should have gone in the first round or the second round, and he'll be one of the most interesting players for me to follow going into next season. And given how stacked London is going to be next season, I'll be watching him quite a lot. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so I, I've been up here all week. I'm heading home tomorrow. Allison was up here. Uh, for the first couple of games, saw a ton of this tournament. Is a term, tournament regular at this point. Uh, Allison, if you've got a question for Corey, then we'll go to Tom. You guys can each ask him about a prospect on this Blue Jackets team. Sure. Hey, Corey, I wanted to ask you, you know, you and I have talked about the Jackets have become one of these teams that has been pretty active signing free agent guys, you know, as they've moved a lot of their picks these draft years. I just wanted to hear kind of your take on two of those who were signed last year. First, Maxime Fortier, and then, of course, Eric Robinson. Yeah, uh, I, I'm still getting a bit of a feel on Robinson. Princeton, I saw a little bit of them because Robinson and as well um, is intriguing, but Max Verano was probably arguably more intriguing. He's decided to stay at school. He's going to play um, – uh, one more season at Princeton, so I watched a little bit of them, but I, I don't have a really great feel of Robinson yet. He had the odd good moment for me where you thought, okay, there's some there's some ability here. You know, he play he had some he had some pace in his game. And he made the odd play. Uh, I'm not sure he's like a top top prospect, but I'll at the very least be monitoring him as he turns pro. Max Forche is probably the more intriguing one to me. I mean, I watched a lot of Halifax the last couple of years, in part because they always have good teams, and this year they had. You know, uh, several highly projected prospects, uh, three, I believe, who went in the top 40. Uh, so he was, you know, I got to see him a lot. And I think he's got a chance to be an NHL player. I think there's skill in his game. I think there's speed in his game. Um, you know, he's not the biggest guy. and I don't know if the skills would be legitimate, legitimate, like top six level or anything like that. Um, but I think, you know, whether it's going to be a year, two years, three years in the minor league, I think this is a guy who at least has a chance to develop into a scorer as a pro and try to force his way up to the next level. Corey, one uh, a guy a year ago that there was some buzz around was Vitaly Abramov. And mm-hmm. when he went back and played, and I think he had another great year offensively. But there doesn't seem to be quite as much buzz. I know he's, he's kind of dealing with an injury. What did you see in him last year, and how much do you think it hurt him by being one of these guys that came over and played in the Canadian juniors and couldn't couldn't go play in uh, Cleveland last year, had to go back to junior hockey. Well, I'm consistently on the record and saying I, I think there should be some sort of changes to that agreement to allow flexibility with teams and handling their top junior prospects. You know, the CHL would disagree with that stance, obviously, but I think, you know, after he was – I believe he was the um, the MVP of the QMJHL two seasons ago. He probably didn't have a whole lot to prove at that level and could have arguably moved up to the American League level where he played briefly uh, in 2016-17 and showed he could play at that level. Uh, I still think he's a good prospect. I think well, I'm going to release my overall prospect rankings very soon in terms of the best prospect outside the NHL, and I think he's He's not going to be at the top of the list, but I think he should be on the list or at least at least close to making like a top 100. You know, he's he's dynamic. He's got high end skill, high end hockey sense. He makes plays. He plays a plays at a good pace. I don't think 
uh, for his size of 5'9". And the reason why I'm, I'm not sure I project him clearly to be a top six forward is I'm not sure he has real high-end speed for a guy that size. Um, but I think there's a lot of ability there. You know, I, we'll see how he does. I don't think he's NHL ready yet. I think he showed the World Juniors when the pace ramped up to the next level that he could that he still has some work to do. So I think he goes to the minor leagues this season, and, and, and we'll see how he does there. But I'm still excited about him. I think he's a top, you know, three, four prospect in the in the Jackets organization, and I think he definitely has a chance to be in the National Hockey League in the near future. Corey, I want to ask you about a local kid uh, who's kind of been, I think this is his fourth trip here, <laughs> uh, Cole Sherwood. Yep. Um, not a great start last year. Was sent, he, had, he was fighting with an injury for sure. Yep. High ankle sprain was sent from Cleveland back to the junior ranks. He's turning pro this season, and, and that's going to be it. Where is his game at? He's one of those guys for me that, that people say, oh, he's in great shape. He's a physical specimen. I, I'm not sure people are keen on his game sense, and I'm not sure that yeah. they're happy necessarily with the way that it's matured. And I wonder if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. I think there's I think there's some tools there. You know, he's not he's not small. I think he can skate fine. He's got some hands, uh, but you never really see him make a play. And that's, you know, a semi-important part of being a National Hockey League player. Uh, it's, you know, I, you see him playing straight lines. I never see him pull up and look east-west. I never see him, you know, f- find an option and, cr- and create a scoring chance that isn't with his feet. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's tough to really project him out and say, oh, that's going to be a National Hockey League player. I don't think, you know, we'll see how he does in the American League. I think that'll be a really big test for him. Um, but for right now, I think he's got a lot to prove before I say he's back on the NHL radar. Yeah. I, want, I wondered this for a time because we, we sometimes catch flack for things we have written about teams. It gets really dicey when you start like predicting standings and starting, you know, and you're asked to sort of put out there what you think is, is going on. That's kind of what you do all the time. I wonder how much flack you've taken from general managers or scouting directors who, when they see their team 28, they're like, you know, I'm giving prom man a call or next time I see prom man, I'm up in his grill. I'm taking some issue with some of these rankings. How much of that is, is there? I bet it's more than people realize. Am I wrong? Um, it doesn't happen like on every team, but I would say the lower ranked teams that I did this season. And this was the, probably the first season because just because the athletic has blown up so much over the last year and, we have so many people reading. I, I, when I was working at ESPN, people, NHL people read, but I don't think it was to the same uh, frequency gotcha. um, as as here. So there's been a lot more feedback I found from teams in, in terms of that regard, especially the lower ranked teams. I know yeah. I, I can't say which team it was, but there was I know one um, executive came over to me at some point and said that uh, their ownership had given them him personally grief over. Uh, their over uh their ranking so yeah. it was uh you know i don't think like I said, it doesn't happen on every team but there's been a few instances in the last month where i've had to uh you know ch- trying and uh calm people down more or less <laughs> right, right i bet you have an interesting middle name and a few front offices yeah i i suppose i mean no i i don't think anything I, and i think the people who actually read those columns know that, that there's nothing really malicious in there even like the blue jackets who i ranked i believe uh 25th or 26th something like that yeah. you know i don't think i was i didn't i didn't I don't think it, people could read that and come to their own conclusions but i don't think i disparaged their farm system yeah. or any players it was just a you know at some point you know you look at the blue jackets for example and they didn't have they haven't had many picks in the last couple of years and 
you know, and there's been a couple of picks like say Andrew Peak at 34, which I don't think has worked has, has looked all that impressive two years later, and 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 you do enough of those and it, and it bounces out eventually. Yeah, Allison's got a question for you. Yeah, Corey, you know, it's I always just love to hear how you keep track of all these guys, like Aaron mentioned. For fans of a team, though, who are looking at just their body of prospects, obviously these kids want to win the tournament. Obviously, management wants to to take home a win. But where what's the proper weight to give to a tournament like this? How what should fans be looking for? What should they look to appreciate or learn from? a four-game, five-day tournament with a bunch of kids who have yet to go pro in, all, in a lot of cases? I think this is just an, it's another step in the evaluation process. I mean, you're not looking, you know, these are not the entire farm systems, and even if they were, um, there's major age differences between a lot of these players. You know, you know, you we can look we can look at say you know the Blue Jackets versus the Blues, and I believe the Blue Jackets won that game if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Uh, but uh, I'm looking at their top two lines on both teams, and all the top two lines on both on both of the teams, the Blues are about one to one and a half years younger per player on each of those top two lines. Um, so you know, you have to make an adjustment in in that case. And you realize that, you know, this, well, we're looking not, we're not, I'm not incredibly focused on what Samuel Dove McFalls or Billy Moskal are doing here. I mean, if they jump out, they jump out. Maybe you, they argue themselves to a pro contract, but we're really just trying to evaluate Foodie and Davidson and, and, and other players that have realistic chances to be National Hockey League players. Uh, this is not a competition between farm systems. And it's nice to win these tournaments. But I think I've talked to you know NHL people who have said we'd be fine with this just being a round robin and we all go home after three days too <laughs> because you know because because now real camp opens in a couple of days and now we want to see how Foodie and Davidson do in the real camp right. um, and it's all part of that kind of process of evaluating players rather than trying to win the Traverse City Prospect Tournament. How much have you seen Vladislav Gavrikov, Corey? Quite a lot. I mean, he plays on one of the top teams in the KHL. He's been a, a, reg, a mainstay on the Russian national teams, uh, whether at the Worlds or, or the Olympics. So, I, I mean, I've gotten to know him quite a bit, and of course, from his, from his teenage years, too. I think he's a nice player. I'm not sure, you know, if they ever get him over and with a contract. I'm not, I don't think he's going to be, you know, this guy who carries a top two pairing for them, but I think he's a very steady defensive uh, defender. Um, Good feet, physical, smart. The skill level is incredibly high. It's why I don't think I project him out to be like kind of a more impact defenseman. Um, but I think he could play in the National Hockey League. I think he could be he could be useful in a in a tough minutes penalty killing kind of role. Um, and I said, if supposedly if if they ever sign him, that is. Yeah, can he be a four or five? I think that's reasonable. Um, you know, I said the skill does still worry me a little bit, and so I you know. <sighs> I'm not gonna get say here and say for sure he's on their in their top two pairings, yeah. um, but I think you know given how he's played at the higher levels, specifically you know in in the in, in the KHL and at the international levels, um, I think you know I, I I have I think there's a reason for optimism about him. Yeah, cool. Where do you go from here? You you you're in you you're here in Traverse City for a few days. Now you are. I, I was in Buffalo for a day, for two days, for their prospect tournament. I, I, I just left. Uh, the All-American prospect game is next week in Minneapolis, so I'll be there. Uh, the USHL Fall Classic in Pittsburgh after that. 
I'll be there. And then the CHL season starts the week after I'll be heading out to the Western Hockey League uh, just to uh, start scouting that league. Nice. And so it begins, right? Yeah, and then actually I will be down in Columbus two weeks after that because there's going to be a, a UMass coming through. Fourth overall pick, Kale McCarr, will be in oh. town. So I will actually be in Columbus in about a, a month from now. Nice. Corey wants to see some Ohio State hockey. That's why he's coming. Yeah, right. that's exactly the reason I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. The truth can be told now. Hey, Corey, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Safe travels to you, and we'll uh, hopefully see you in a little while. Yep, sure. Thank you. Thanks, Corey. Yep, sure thing, guys. So Corey Promen with The Athletic there, a pretty good rundown of, of the Blue Jackets prospects, guys that are putting on a good show here in, in Traverse City, many of them. Abramov is not here because of a wrist surgery. Gavrikov is not here because he's in the KHL. Um, but it, it was, I think, beneficial to hear uh, Corey bring, break down all of these, these guys whose names uh, are going to be in Columbus, one assumes, before too long. I want to touch on a couple of other things here, guys. Um, Blue Jackets training camp, well, media days tomorrow. Blue Jackets training camp starts technically Thursday with physicals and then Friday with uh, the, the, those awful skating drills. Oh, oh. Oh, I know, right? They're hard to watch. <laughs> they are. Through it. So the actual on-ice skating that will start, uh, Saturday, right? And then the preseason starts just a couple days after that. So that's sort of the time frame that we're working on here. Uh, from what we've heard, Abramov is going to be ready for training camp. He was held out of Traverse City as a precaution. Uh, these wrist injuries can be tricky. So uh, don't be alarmed if he's if he's taking days off uh, here or there. It's uh, similar to what Brandon Dubinsky went through. I don't know if it's the same surgery, but they both had wrist surgery. And those could be uh, difficult surgeries to, to overcome. Probably the bigger story is going to be Zach Wierenski's availability at the start of camp. Every, every sign to this point is that he's, he's healthy and will start camp. Uh, but I'm not sure if he's going to be part of the contact drills. And Tom, you were telling me earlier that you saw a drill, maybe Allison was there as well, where the Nets went sideways which they do to shorten it and get get uh, up to speed with some sort of uh, lack of space drills if you will and Wierenski did not take part in that How, tell me tell me what well, he yeah I think you know they, they you had just just had your usual scrimmaging and he was full go in that and what was happening is I was waiting to go talk to someone uh, and as soon as they went to the sideway drills I kind of walked off the ice and right behind me I mean literally like it seemed like a minute later, uh, Wierenski was kind of walking to the locker room too. So my, I'm pretty sure that he did not take part in that because there were a lot of the other players kind of filtered in a bit later. Yeah. So I think it's an encouraging sign, obviously, that he's out there skating with the group. Uh, but you're right. They, they may, we'll see, we'll, we'll have a good idea here in like two days, but we'll see uh, if he's full go at the beginning or they just kind of let him kind of wade into uh, – get going because obviously very valuable member and you don't want to get him hurt in training camp. Yeah. Or, or before it, God forbid. Yeah. Uh, have either of you been over there while he's shooting the puck? And have you seen him actually let it, let the big one go, as they say, I have not. No, I have not either. Okay. So that's something to look for too. I mean, I, they've talked about not being sure if he's ready for the start of the season. 
um, that makes it hard for me to envision we're going to see him in any of the early exhibition games. Right. Um, again, I haven't said that. I'm just, it seems to be a logical assumption. Uh, so those are some interesting stories to, to sort of keep our eyes on as, as camp goes. Uh, we've been saying for a while now, I'm sticking to the story, that John Tortorella is getting a contract <laughs> with the Blue Jackets. It's coming. I can feel it. The barometric pressure's dropping. Um, I think both sides want to have this done before camp starts. And if that's the case, we're talking two and a half days now. So um, you know, look for that perhaps here on the horizon, uh, which would be, I mean, it, it's, it's incredible to me that, ta- that John Tortorella is the winningest coach in Blue Jackets history. And he's third on the, he's going to be the, the guy who coached the most games in Blue Jackets history by the time this season ends. So, so much for a guy that doesn't have any staying power. Uh, but we'll get to that perhaps on the next one when, it, when the deal is official. Uh, Tom, Allison, you guys have, have embarked on a five-part series uh, taking a really hard look at a major topic for the Blue Jackets this season. It's really a topic across the National Hockey League, uh, but it's something that Columbus is focused on. Um, you guys can flip a coin amongst you. Tell the people what this Speed Week is all about, what they can expect, and where you're going with this. Uh, yeah, we uh, it, it debuted today. It was the, the first part of, of a, the five-part series, as you mentioned. And it's it's just the idea of, of, of the game is getting so fast. And we're not just talking about skating fast, although that certainly is a part of it, but playing fast. And what we've tried to do is kind of take a look at this topic from a couple of different angles. Uh, tomorrow we'll we'll have a story on Brandon Dubinsky. And I think most fans remember the very disappointing season that he had last year. And one of the things that I think he realized at the end of the year last season, among other things was it is a gate as a young man's game. And if he doesn't pick his game up, he's going to get passed by. So he spent a lot of his summer trying to, uh, train in a little bit different way. Uh, his body, uh, fat has gone from, 16% 16% uh, to 11%. Um, he's uh, gotten gotten his wrist back in, in pretty good shape. Um, when he went over to start working out uh, in Hilliard uh, with a guy by the name of Brady Powers, who everyone uh, around here, of course, knows Jack Roslovic uh, and the success that he's had, uh, he's, uh, buddy, or Brady had trained him. But when, when Doobie showed up, in June, he could not do a pull-up. It's not because Doobie isn't strong, but because he had had so much trouble with his wrist. So Doobie's got himself back into shape. He looks good, and we'll see where that goes. Uh, I also spent some time with Liam Foody. Uh, you know, in an age of specialization, where everyone's you know again has private private guys working with him, skating coaches. No, this kid didn't do any of that. He was uh, he played a lot of sports, and his parents were both really good in track. And he was just one of these kids that were kind of an outlier. He was just a good athlete, and he's really, really fast. And he's kind of where the game is going. Uh, a question even with him, with him is going to be, can his skill catch up to his uh, speed? And you heard Corey said one strong sign is he's got good hockey sense. And then I'll, I'll let Allison preview what she's doing, which I think is really, really neat. <laughs> well, uh, t- and full credit to Tom for coming up with this whole idea in the first place. But uh, 
I'm going to chime in here on Friday with kind of a look at the science of speed. As Tom mentioned in today's piece, you know, the Jackets organization is one of just a few in the league to have a, a director of high performance, and that's Nelson Iote, um, who has really started to transform the way that these players and these athletes prepare. Um, but when you ask a man like that, how do you help someone get, get faster? Uh, I don't think the answer was anything Tom and I expected to hear. And it was, <laughs> it was pretty cool uh, what he shared with us, what he showed to us. Um, so we're going to go kind of dig into the actual physical, what's happening in the gym, what's happening in the high performance lab to at the very least help guys not lose speed, but always be at their highest level of speed that, that they can be as an athlete. And then our last part is uh, kind of some pulling this all together in the fact that what's next and what it is, is part of what's happening here. When you go back to the, the um, when you go back to the Brandon Dubinsky part of it is what's happening is so many of these kids are coming into the pro levels in such good shape. And we mentioned Jack Roslovic earlier. Jack Roslovic has been working with a private, a per, private trainer, uh, Brady Power, since he was 16 years old. And a lot of these kids understand that the importance of nutrition, the importance of working out, the importance of skating, more so than, than a lot of these guys like Dubinsky's age. Even even we talked with the, the other day, uh, uh, we, we, we talked with uh, a couple of other players who said, look, this is stuff I, we really didn't do growing up. And we're, we're having to do it now because there's such there's such great push from these kids coming up who are just so NHL ready and so ready as far as the skating and the athleticism. Yeah, it's amazing. And in your work in doing this, if you come across any sort of uh, any, I mean, it of course would be subjective, but any evaluation as to where the Blue Jackets are in this league as a speed team, like I, they've got some guys that can fly. But on the whole, are they fast and in, in taking into account the feet and the skill? No, I, I don't. I, I haven't seen anyone out there kind of I, I've asked around of that and and I don't get a sense that they're they're at the top or anywhere near the bottom. I think they're just kind of somewhere in the middle. And as you know, Aaron, and we've we've talked about this and we mentioned it, Yarmo has mentioned it, uh, and Nelson mentioned it. it. you could have the fastest guy in the world, and if he doesn't have hockey sense, right. he looks really slow. Uh, I don't think Sidney Crosby's the fastest skater in the world, but because he can put everything together, he looks like he's going a million miles an hour. Yeah, so I think yeah. it kind of depends. It goes from team to team. I think I tend to think the Blue Jackets, if if I had to cut the league in half, I'd say they're right, right. I think they're in the upper half, maybe in maybe from ten to fifteen. I don't know. What do you think, Allison? Yeah, no, I I would agree, and I think particularly with with the conversations we had with Nelson. Um, would reinforce my perspective on that as well in terms of maintaining speed throughout a season and, and the approach to that, you know, and I think what's t to this whole point, what's been most fascinating and, and it's in Tom's piece today again, is that these players are really working with max an 8% overall improvement based yeah. on where they've been. And so yeah. even though there are faster teams. I mean, the margins are, are infinitesimally small, right? I mean, they, but they can be the difference, but the, 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 the we're just, it, it, we've always heard game of inches. I mean, we're now in a game of millimeters, right? With the kinds of improvements and differences these guys 
are, are putting out there both in foot speed and, and think speed. And you think about, too, with a, a guy like Brandon Dubinsky, what he's trying to do, oldest player in the team coming off a year like that and, uh, you know, really trying to trying to find a step in a game where you can really get left behind pretty quickly this, in this day and age. Yeah, when you see it every summer, I mean, you could go through the list of free agents right now. The heart, It used to be like 36 was the tough age. Now it's like 31 where guys around the league, every year there's a list of guys that just a couple years ago, if you put them together, you'd have a hell of a hockey team. Um, but it's, it's just going so fast that there are surprises every year uh, at guys that, that get left behind and frankly have a hard time even getting tryout agreements. So it's, yeah. amazing. it's, it's a good time uh, for a deep dive on, on that. So make sure you check that out. Part one ran today, and then it, it's going to run uh, throughout the week through Saturday. Is that correct? Uh, through Friday. We're going to have two. Uh, Allison's piece will run uh, Friday morning, and then I'll, uh, we'll have the kind of put a bow on it uh, in Friday afternoon. Okay. And, of course, we'll have all the news from camp. Uh, we've got a few stories up already just about the, the Traverse City tournament, what the Blue Jackets roster looks like and why it looks like that. All of the forwards, they've got a, just a ton of, of guys turning North pro either for the first time in their careers or first time in North America this year. So Cleveland, Cleveland's going to look radically different. Uh, Cleveland's got their, their uh, media guys up here um, doing some play-by-play action to get some clips because they've got a lot of players um, coming, from, coming from the Blue Jackets organization now right into that, into the pro um, pipeline if you will so i let me mention this again i mentioned it in our last podcast we do these now tuesdays and fridays so two of these a week uh and if you are listening to this and thinking man this is a hell of a podcast i should subscribe well here's your moment uh http theathletic.com slash front and nationwide so theathletic.com front and and nationwide Uh, make sure you spell that out and that is for a free seven-day trial and 30% off an annual plan. And that doesn't get you just Tom Reed, Allison Lucan, myself. It, it gets you Corey Promen. It gets you the entire, uh, all of the stuff that's on The Athletic. There's more stuff than you can possibly read in a day. But if you live in Columbus, Ohio, and you're a fan of a team outside Columbus, Ohio, very likely that you'll get exceptional coverage uh, of that team all in one spot with all of your local teams as well. So theathletic.com slash front and nationwide. Uh, anything else we need to add in there, Tom Reed or Allison Lucan? I would only throw out for folks who are wondering, uh, with the scrimmages happening Saturday and Sunday down at both the Ice House and Nationwide Arena, doors open at 8 a.m. for fans for those events on both days. Now, is one of those in the big house or are they both in the Ice House? They will be in both rinks and both will be open to the public. Very nice. Very nice. That's good to know. Tom, you, do you have anything nearly as interesting as that to add? <laughs> Not at all. No. Not even going to try. <laughs> I, I admire that. Uh, okay, so thanks for listening, folks. This was episode, was this episode four, Allison? Uh, this is episode five. I, so you put me on the spot here. Lee. Okay, so they're coming fast and furious now. We'll be back with you Tuesday. Uh, sorry, Friday. This is Tuesday. Uh, Front of Nationwide, your new favorite podcast. Thanks for listening to us. We'll talk to you soon.